Conversations on Economic Opportunity, produced by Ann Arbor Spark. Ann Arbor Spark is a public private academic partnership that's creating economic activity and prosperity in the Ann Arbor region. Innovative businesses and leaders are what make Ann Arbor a destination for startups and growing global businesses. By sharing their stories, they share what makes this region stand out for the exceptional schools, abundant parks, amazing community services that all contribute to our quality of life. Conversations on economic opportunity are a way to spotlight those who are helping this region thrive. Joining me today is Peter Shork, co-founder and president and CEO of Ann Arbor State Bank. Thanks for coming in today, Peter. We really appreciate Paul. it. Nice to be here. Thank you. So I always like to start off because we, we see this podcast as a way to introduce the leaders to the community. Uh, lots of people know you in the community, but some of our audience don't. Uh, so could give us a little autobiography. Where'd you grow up, uh, go to school? And what were your career experiences leading up to founding and leading Ann Arbor State Bank? Thank you, Paul. Um, I always like to start with the same thing. I'm sure both of you gentlemen appreciate this. I was born in the finest city in the state of Michigan, Ypsilanti. And I uh, immediately, my father, who was a professor at U of M, moved us all to Ann Arbor. I had the good fortune of being in Ann Arborite for the last 53 years. Went to St. Thomas, Gilbert Shard, uh, part of the Catholic Mafia around here. Graduated from U of M and then in an interesting way, I'm a unique. I also graduated from Eastern with a master's degree, so got my bachelor's at U of M and my master's at Eastern. So uh, like it or not, I'm pretty embedded in the county. Uh, and the best way to get a job when you're young is to have your next door neighbor as president of a bank. A <laughs> uh, guy named George Kress ran Ann Arbor Trust Company, hired myself and actually three of my other brothers, and we worked there for a while, and I was there for 15 years. Ann Arbor Trust is now Key Bank here in town. Mm. Um, the guy who was kind of became my mentor there, a guy named William Brochek, um, who had started the bank for Ann Arbor Trust, started Bank of Ann Arbor, and uh, I evolved over there. Um, after a number of years there, um, I left banking, where I'd been for obviously my whole career, and went and started a title company and a mortgage company with Edward Serville. Um, did that for a while, and then uh, Brochek, Bill Brochek, decided that uh, starting two banks wasn't enough, and uh, convinced me that uh, we should start Ann Arbor State Bank in 2008, uh, which in retrospect was one of the most insane ideas of all time, starting a bank in the middle of uh, what we now call the Great Recession, um, which really was a horrible time for finance, but uh, it's worked out very well. So, Paul, been around for a while. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes when you're at the bottom of the cycle, that's the best time to start an enterprise, right? Well, and, and interestingly enough, we were lucky enough to drive a lot of clients our way. Um, we are generally acknowledged as having the cleanest balance sheet in terms of uh, bad loans of any bank in the state, maybe one of the top five in the country still. And a lot of it had that to do with uh, when we started, we got the creme de la creme, um, and we've kept that mantra. We mm -hmm. are, we're conservative, but uh, growth oriented, if those two things can go together. Well, yeah, let's let's go, let's go down that a little bit, that way a little bit. We, I know that uh, you know we have a variety of financial institutions active in our community. They come in different sizes, obviously, have different focuses. Um, you talked about the founding of Hanover State Bank, but tell us a little bit about uh, what your focus is as a as a as a more of a community bank, as I would describe you. 
Uh, you couldn't be more right, Paul. There's 20 active banks in Ann Arbor, which is uh, obviously not a giant town, and 25 in the county if you count some smaller ones that are invading. We are a commercial bank. We pride ourselves on assisting businesses and entrepreneurs, um, obviously tied very nicely to Spark. Um, we are not everything to everybody. We are very county driven. Uh, a couple of years ago, we expanded so that we're also active, very active in Jackson County. Uh, but we're not looking to do everything in terms of outstate transactions. Um, our bread and butter are uh, five to 200 person businesses operating in the county. Uh, and that, that does include the full gambit of industries. We do a lot of restaurants, a decent amount of retail, um, a lot of technology if we can get it. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, a lot of the uh, longtime manufacturers in the two counties we deal with. So we're a business bank. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So one of the things we talked about before we started this conversation was that um, you, know, you, you are a, a, a community-based bank in terms of commercial lending. And we talked about that we've actually are working on a project together in, in Ypsilanti um, called the, the Back Office Studio, um, which is uh, an effort, uh, our role in it is, is um, using some resources that the county provided to support private sector investment in Ypsilanti. We're very excited by that. Uh, Ypsilanti has been an underdeveloped market for many years in terms of capital going in. Uh, we're ecstatic that Spark is involved in the county and the state. These are very fine people and they're basically trying to drive technology-based mm -hmm. businesses, whatever that means. Paul, you know that far more than I do. Um, into the eastern part of the county. Um, there's a lot of talent there. Uh, downtown Ypsilanti brings uh, a lot of vibrant activities. Again, Ann Arbor certainly is wonderful on this stuff, uh, but we've discounted Ypsilanti and its contributions. And these uh, folks have done a great job right downtown. Um, great incubator. Uh, Eastern's involved, Eastern Michigan. Um, really couldn't be more pleased with what's going on with that. Yeah, just to provide a little bit more information, the back office studio is um, going to be uh, and is a new co-working space. So this is sort of the trend uh, where uh, folks in what they call the gig economy, uh, maybe uh, independent contractors, maybe small companies, um, go into a space with others. Um, and what, what our hope is of the project, that will uh, have them uh, experience Ypsilanti as a, a place and as they potentially have growth, uh, look to take occupancy in Ypsilanti. One of the challenges that we have right now in Ann Arbor is a, a little bit of a victim of our own success, um, and I mean Ann Arbor writ large in the region. Um, a lot of emphasis has been on, on, on making downtown Ann Arbor a place very welcoming for technology companies, and our vacancies are very, very low. So the idea is, can we encourage not only maybe in Ypsilanti, but maybe in Dexter and Chelsea and other communities, uh, have them looked at as places. For, so we're real pleased that, uh, I was really pleased to learn that you're involved in the project uh, and we're, we're really pleased about it. Well, one of the things that you, you show and talk about on your website is uh, how technology is changing the banking industry. What, what changes uh, do you foresee as having the biggest impact on consumers? All right, well, let's, uh, Paul, a great question. Uh, Let's go back 10 years when we founded the bank. The jumps in uh, technology that banks use and are available to individuals are really 
mind-boggling. Uh, Ten years ago, the concept of doing a transaction by your phone was for geeks and weirdos, and now 60% of people actually do it, uh, Venmo and the like. Um, there have been many, many stories about Amazon basically becoming a bank and being one of the major stores of, of money um, in terms of savings, as well as transactions. Uh, a recent survey said that a third of all people would be very happy if Amazon was their bank. Who could have thought such a thing? Um, Microsoft, Apple, um, most of the technology companies, uh, frankly, are involved in transactional business um, and are taking large chunks of what banks used to do. Uh, in the next 10 years, community banks, not the large banks, will probably be a very small part of the world of transactions. We completely believe in the community bank model. Many, many people talk about how important the community banks are, but actually bank at the big banks because mm -hmm. of technology um, and ease of money movement. Mm -hmm. Frankly, we're part of that and can do the same things. Uh, they market it better. Um, the other thing that's happening, and I would say, oh, maybe one out of 100 bankers understand it, and maybe one out of a million regular citizens understand it, but the whole blockchain and how that's going to impact, um, and not the more esoteric side Bitcoin, mm -hmm. but the blockchain itself and how transactions are moved, um, use of speed. I'll give you guys, I'll give you an example. Um, 30 years ago, the concept of an average person doing a wire transfer was unheard of. It was a pain. Banks made it difficult. They charged large fees. Ten years ago, everybody was doing a wire. Now, wire transfer transactions are on the decline because most people can get involved with what ACH, and we don't want to get too many mm -hmm. terms. But ability to move money regularly or, frankly, instantaneously is available to almost anyone. So, Paul, the biggest change in transactional banking is community banks won't be involved. Um, the other change that's going on, which I'm less excited by, is the ability for people to borrow money rapidly and not necessarily understand how they're repaid. So uh, there are many, many fintech companies mm -hmm. out there, many of them fine, great models, wonderful people. Um, what we find is a lot of people don't understand uh, the consequences of how it's repaid, whereas uh, loans are structured over time. Uh, many of them realize when they give up the rights to their retailer transactions, they're giving up um, the ability to manage their uh, transactions themselves. Other mm -hmm. guys take over. Uh, forget about that 20 or 30 percent interest rates, but Paul, speed of approval, uh, you know what, I'm sitting here today, and, and obviously this is a podcast, but I'm in a little suit with a tie. People don't necessarily feel uh, that's the way to borrow and the simplicity of it. Um, so I think if we sit here in 10 years, we're going to find uh, community banks are going to be a completely different animal. The other negative side of it is since the government 10 years ago basically stopped the uh, proliferation of new banks. There's been 50 new banks formed in the last 10 years, and with a lot of banks merging or, unfortunately, for a couple of years uh, going by the wayside because of uh, failures, um, there's going to be fewer and fewer banks and uh, more control in the hands of a few mm -hmm. banks. Um, interestingly enough, interrelated, uh, 
Uh, Senate and the House are both working on large bills to cut back on Dodd-Frank, which was the result of the problems. Um, so I would agree completely. They don't need to regulate the small guys, but they need to regulate the big guys. Um, world, world is changing the world of finance, Paul, every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that you already touched on, but I think is, is very much to you and your your board's credit is that you're, you're rated at five stars. You're, you're consistently ranked in the top 2% of banks. So in that competitive environment, um, at least you're starting from, from a very strong position. What, what makes uh, your bank have that kind of rating relative to the competitors? So every single person in every single business says it's customer service. I don't use customer service. I, I actually say uh, concern for the clients. Our entire job is to serve clients, so if we don't communicate well, if we aren't active with them, they can go elsewhere. We're a commodity. We sell a commodity, uh, money. So it's about service. A lot of places provide good service. Um, we also are more conservative, and we require uh, additional thought up front when we do loans. Uh, again, back to the fintech companies don't. So some people say, hey, you're much harder to deal with. It also has resulted in we just don't have a lot of customers not paying us or mm -hmm. costs associated with bad loans. Mm -hmm. um, so we do a much better job than most banks in expense management. Um, we also, because as we chatted about, are new to the game, we have a main office in two branches. We don't have mm -hmm. legacy yeah. buildings. The overhang of that. and. Uh, a lot of the big banks simply don't know what to do with their branches. Um, they own them. Um, they're supplying technology to them. And in an unfortunate way, a lot of the big banks don't lend in the turfs. They gather deposits. Mm -hmm. We put our money back in the system, very much like Spark, where you guys are all about uh, what you're contributing. We want to make sure that we're actively contributing. So. I'm not saying that's not true of many community banks, but it's true of ours. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you talked about this already. You, you've been a lifelong resident here, um, you know, as you as described, uh, benefited from um, being able to pursue your academic career here in, in both of our universities. Um, and I think you probably have a really good perspective on, on my next question, which is what's, what do you think are some of the biggest changes that you've seen uh, happen in the community over the last few years? So when I was a young guy growing up, many of my friends had careers in the auto industry that weren't just engineers, just the high paying jobs. Um, I, I make the same joke to everyone. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to work for a community bank. And nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to work for Ford on the line. 30 years ago, that wasn't true. 40 years ago, that was a great career and uh, you could get a lot of skills, you could make good money, had a great life. So the lack of manufacturing-based um, job growth, but in saying that, right now, one of the biggest problems that is in the banking industry is actually the construction industry. Because young folks who have could have fantastic careers as electricians, plumbers, building houses because of the issues in the late uh, like two, 206 to 210 people didn't come online 
So we're dealing with, and I know Spark does a tremendous job, um, the loss of manufacturing for years and skilled labor has meant that we now have a shortfall of skilled labor. It's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so going back the last 20 years, and, and even in the schools, and, I, and again, I know Spark works on this, when I was a young guy and went to a Catholic school, I took shop at Pioneer, partially so I could goof off a little during the day, but partially so that I could have some knowledge. Mm -hmm. Pioneer certainly has, and Huron certainly have vocational studies, but it used to be a, a career path. Um, mm -hmm. Washtenaw Technical College is an unbelievably great thing in, a, in our turf. There needs to be a lot more of that. Paul, I guess the acknowledgement is not everybody has to go to a four-year university. Not everybody has to get a university degree. Starting right basically when I was at the University of Michigan, the trend was, yeah, that's what you did for your, for your life. Mm -hmm. I think we're getting back. I think we're improving again. And, and we're fortunate because Ann Arbor is such a magnet for technology and uh, the university has been so fabulous for us. But, uh, you know, I, I go out there, Paul, and I go in some of our smaller turfs. Who's going to create a plant in Jackson County? Who's going to create one in Monroe or Lenawee County or Genesee County? What's going to help these communities get back some vibrancy in terms of growth? And I don't have a quick answer. Mm -hmm. Hopefully some light manufacturing and some drive so that uh, kids are happy in those careers. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I think you touched on a lot of things that I just want to maybe, maybe comment on a little bit. I mean, one of the things that we're working on now, this podcast is being recorded um, before our upcoming annual meeting. Uh, we'll be talking about an um, a, a update to Spark strategic plan uh, in that annual meeting. Um, but one of the things that the board has really honed in, and in fact just talked about it at its last meeting, was the very point that you made. Um, we have seen in our community, prior to the Great Recession, if you talk about sort of the GDP producing sector, we were 65% manufacturing and 35% professional technical. Um, since the Great Recession, we've recovered all the jobs that we've lost and have exceeded the number of jobs we had prior to the recession but it's now 65% professional technical and 35% manufacturing. So we've seen a structural shift in our economy and, and what that means is, is that there are, there are still folks that wanna buy houses, getting to your point, in the community that have come here for work or are growing their family or whatever. And you're right, uh, the board has talked about how across all the sectors we've lost construction workforce. And, and what's the ramification of that? It's not that things don't get built, it's that they cost more because we have fewer workers and that causes the prices prices to go up. So um, one of the things the board commented, very, very connecting one last dot is that, that um, young people probably need to explore some of these other careers because the, the salaries and wages being paid um, are pretty high um, and you can get the skills you need for a much um, simpler and shorter academic training program and you don't come out with all of the debt that you do from a four-year and they've, they've talked about how some people come out of a four-year great education really but now they want to get a job and they don't have the skill that is necessary to get that 
job. So it's an interesting time, uh, and I think you touched on a number of those things. Well, let's close out. One of the things that you I know is very important to you, and it comes, I think, from the, your long life here in the region, that you're involved in several local nonprofits, including United Way. Why is giving back so important to you? So this was a question, and I'll say this, it was a prepared question. I really appreciate you asking this because I've never given this answer in anything. And I have a, I have a very odd answer. And uh, it's two words. It's my mother. My mother was a war orphan. Um, I'm a first generation American. She instilled in myself, my five brothers and my sister, uh, a great, great attitude, as did my father, of giving back to the community. She believed heavily. She encouraged us to be active. Still does. She's still with us. Interestingly enough, uh, Washtenaw Catholic Social Services, myself and three of my siblings have served on that board. Uh, my brother Ted is very active in the community. My brother Michael is very active community still. Uh, my sister Anna is very active in the University of Michigan in the community. And uh, why this is also important, I'm uh, ecstatic that all, all three of my children seem to have gotten the desire to do things for the community and care about other people. Part of that is also that coupled with when I was a young guy in banking, they encouraged mm -hmm. us, uh, I mentioned George Kress and Bill Brochek, to be active in the community. I joined the Kiwanis Club 29 years ago and have been very active in that. Paul, they don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Businesses, if there's a way to help the community, businesses should sponsor their uh, employees, males, females, to join social clubs, uh, pay for them to go to social events. You know, in, in, in the world of expense management, and then there's the big plus on all that. I have been blessed with having many, many friends and, and frankly, many business transactions from people that I serve on boards mm -hmm. with, so people that I'm in mm -hmm. clubs with. Yes. Uh, it, and people go, well, oh, it's really not true. It is 100% true. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at one point, I, we made the joke at the bank, I think 45 Kiwanian members of mine bank at my bank. Why? Because we're friends. So um, I, I can't count the number of times I've done mortgage transactions or business transactions from somebody who I'm on a board with goes, hey, geez, I, I guess I sort of trust you. Can you help me out? Or actually nicer than that sometimes. One of the best things about Spark in my mind is it makes people think about their communities more and more. And we are lockstep with you guys in terms of wanting Washtenaw County to succeed. And the way it's going to succeed is if people are involved and people care about each other. So I know this isn't a commercial for you, <laughs> but I really, really appreciate the Sparks, uh, what Spark does in the community. Well, we appreciate the fact that in, in all among all the things that, that you do support, that uh, you are one of the private uh, sector partners that is providing some financial support to Spark. Um, we, we, need uh, across all the sectors. Uh, we're not an organization that is supported by any one sector, whether it's the local government or the universities or private business. It's all of us, all of us together. So I think it's a great model. And I really appreciate the conversation today because it, it, to me, community banks are, are very important players in the community. I'm, I'm hopeful that some of the changes that uh, uh, Congress is considering 
you know, there's a lot of discussion in the national media about what that all means and about banks that are too big to fail and what that means for the economy. But clearly, uh, in my conversations with uh, your colleagues in community banking, they play an incredibly important role in the community because the phrase really is what it means. It's it's a a bank that's uh, working in a particular community. It's not trying to have a national footprint. And, And they make, I know in our community here, you and your colleagues in that sector make a really big difference. So great conversation. Thank you for coming in today, sharing, sharing your views. Um, and I uh, look forward to uh, talking with you again in the future. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening to Conversations on Economic Opportunity. We hope you'll like and share the content you heard today. For additional podcasts and information about Spark, visit annarborusa.org.